0: Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour. Kudzu Radio Hour number 135, the first episode of the brand new year, recorded on Saturday, January 2nd, 2021. And let me be the first. No, I'm sure I'm not the first. And i probably won't be the last to say congratulations if you're listening to this you survived 2020 i believe all of us who survived that year should get a t-shirt i don't know who's going to fund uh those shirts maybe the government they're paying for everything else so why not buy us all t-shirts right uh anyway yeah and then uh on On the front, it'll say I survived 2020 and on the back, it'll say kudzu radio hour. Yeah, that's right. Capitalism. I'm trying to be more like Gene Simmons every day. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I stick my tongue out a lot, even now. Um, and I like to blow fire. So what can you say? Um, anyway, thanks for listening guys. We're going to bring my cohorts in shortly, and we're going to have a, a, a brisk, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good way of describing it, a brisk discussion of uh, musical stuff. The Kudzu radio hour is brought to you as always by the fine folks at Springer mountain farms, Springer mountain. Farms is the name to remember when you go looking for chicken, baby. Do you like chicken? I like chicken. You eat a lot of fried chicken, but now as I've gotten older, I've learned that, uh, it's a whole lot healthier to grill my chicken. So I, I heat up the question art there in the kitchen and, um, you know, when summer rolls around, I'll, I'll do the outdoor grilling. But uh, no matter how it stacks up, you can grill this uh, Springer Mountain Farms uh, chicken. I highly recommend the frozen skinless, boneless chicken breasts. Oh man, it's so easy to just pull one out and thaw it out a little bit and grill that bad boy up. Man, it's so good, it's so good. And another thing I had not had until this Christmas was there, uh, they sent me a springer mountain farms, a whole chicken roasted, um, pre-cooked and frozen. So all he had to do is thaw it out and heat it up. And I'm going to tell you what that was some of the best chicken. And I couldn't believe it was like a four pound chicken, but I had chicken coming out my ears. I mean, I, that thing yielded so much good meat. The only thing I, the only way I got more meat this year was when Scott Green uh, brought me a freezer full of venison and pork, but I I gotta tell you, I am so happy to be a carnivore. And I I, I guess I've tried to be vegetarian, but I just, you know, I I can't. I I mean, I'll do it for a while, but I always fall back into my, Meat loving ways and uh I love Springer Mountain Farms chicken. You will too. SpringerMountain.com is where you need to go and you can get it delivered. You could get it delivered to your home to your front porch in a cooler. That's right. How much more convenient is that? You don't even have to go to the store. Go to Springermountain.com, SpringerMTN.com. The program because the Kudzu radio hours also Sponsored by and brought to you in living color and living color in CinemaScope. Yeah, it's sort of an audio version of CinemaScope. How about that? Brought to you by that band that we love. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. It's a band called the Box Masters, uh, based out of Los Angeles, California. And it's got that, uh, that drummer guy, the drummer and singer that you've probably seen on your TV and your movie screens. Um, his name is Billy Bob Thornton, but we like to call him, Bud Thornton, uh, he is a great drummer and singer songwriter. And he co-writes all of the songs for the box measures with the extremely talented, extremely talented producer, engineer, guitar player, multi-instrumentalist and songwriter, J D Andrew. I'm going to tell you what that guy has got more talent per capita than, uh, well, okay. I'm not even going to compare it. He's got a lot of talent and together. Uh, I like to say that the Thornton and Andrew combo uh, reminds me of say your Lennon and McCartney or Jagger, your Richards, or, uh, you know, team ups like that. This great songwriting and their latest album is called light rays. And it is the best one ever, 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 ever. And that's a lot of albums, but it is fan freaking tastic. Take my word for it. You can trust me. Have I, have I ever steered you wrong? Just name one time that I've steered you wrong. I don't think I ever have, and I know I never will. The boxmasters have planned. Uh, you know, of course, like everybody else, they were affected by the the terrible COVID nineteen, and uh, so their summer tour this past summer had to be postponed. But they've got it on the calendar for this next summer. Uh, not only a tour of the USA, but also going over to, you guessed it, Europe. So, lots of excitement coming on uh, around, and uh, I'm sure they're uh, they're going to have another album coming out for summer too. As a matter of fact, and, uh, I uh, being on the inside, <laughs> on the inside, connect. I have connections, and I have heard. An album that they've already got recorded called Boxmasters 66. And baby, you're going to love it. So I'm thinking that maybe the next one, I don't know. They could always change their minds. They record so much, and it's hard for them to decide what to put out next. And that's always a good thing, right? The program, the uh, the big show here, is brought to you also by. Our friends and fellow connoisseurs of alcohol, the, <laughs> the band Fog Hat. Oh, take it easy. Yeah, right, baby. Take a slow ride. I love Fog Hat. Every guy, all the way back to first time I ever saw him live was 1973. Fog Hat and the Edgar Winter Group. And uh, the drummer was a young man named Roger Earl who is still a young man named Roger Earl, and he is still the drummer for fog Hat. but he and his wife, Linda, lovely Linda, I like to call her, have, um, a second thing going besides the music, they've got fog hat wine and you've heard me talk about it and you will continue to hear me talk about it because it is good. Fellow babies fog hat wine is good for what ails you. I'm a sucker for the Pinot or I like to say I'm a fool for the Pinot Yeah, that's right. I don't the fog hat singer doesn't have to worry about me taking over for his job at all. <laughs> Not at all, baby. Nothing to worry about, Charlie. I'm not coming. I'm not coming for your job. Uh I don't want to get laughed out of the room. The uh, yeah, I love Foghat, love the band, love the wine, uh, love the Chardonnay too. And you can just go to Fogat Sellers, Foghat Sellers, as in wine seller, not sellers with an S, but sellers with a C, Foghatsellers.com. You can also find them by going to the band website at Foghat.com. How about that? Yeah, baby have you seen the latest issue of kudzu magazine if you haven't what's what's holding you back baby what's holding you back it's free free all in color uh, beautiful digital magazine free all you gotta do is read it online or download it to your device and read it on your kindle or your nook or your smartphone or your ipad or your uh, desktop computer or uh or cast it to your television screen and read it huge massive size kudzu huge kudzu um we're already busy at work on issue 41 that's that's coming out uh sometime late february early march but currently issue 40 is out there And it's got a young man on the cover by the name of Dwayne Betts, who is the son of another young man that we all know and love named Dickie Betts of the Almond Brothers Band. Dwayne and Greg Almond's son, Devin Almond, and uh, Barry Oakley's son, Barry Oakley Jr., and the other cats uh, all have together a band called the Almond Betts Band, carrying on the family tradition. And style, baby. Really, really good, really, really good. Uh they've got a uh a relatively new album out called Bless Your Heart that they recorded down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. What a great place to record, Muscle Shoals and the original old uh Jackson Highway studio, Muscle Shoals Sound. Boy, wow, isn't that cool? Got an interview with Dwayne Betts in the Kudzu magazine. We've got another interview with a good buddy of mine, Billy Crane, who was the brother to another good buddy of mine, the late great Tommy Crane of Charlie Daniels band. Billy Crane is known for his tenure uh with Henry Paul band and also with the Outlaws. And tons and tons of solo work and recorded with all sorts of country and rock stars and just everybody. Great guitar player, a great human being, a great solo artist. Billy Crane got a great interview with him. Got an interview in there in that issue with um, Bud and JD, the two guys from the Box Masters, talking about the new album and all that kind of stuff. If you want to see that? Check it out. It's free. We dig deep into the classic kudzu archives for an interview I did back in the early, in, 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 sometime early nineties, maybe, uh, no, not early. 90s. Uh, early two thousands. It's all the time, all the time just kind of bleeds together. When you get to be older, like I am, but I will tell you, it was some time ago that I talked to the wonderful, talented, beautiful, incredible artist named Maria McKee, who had a band called Lone Justice. And after that, she did a bunch of solo stuff and it's all good. Oh, and I love Maria McKee. So we reran the interview with her for those of you who didn't catch it the first time, our boy, uh, our man, our guy, our guy on the street, our guy on the street in great Britain who likes to write about unreleased albums, writes about, uh, an album called, uh, lovingly called. Doc Holiday too. It was a uh, unreleased second album that Bruce Brookshire and Eddie Stone and everybody the uh, original Doc Holiday recorded. Very interesting article. very interesting. Also uh, we've got uh, columns. got my Southern accents column in there. We got Billy Eli's unexplainable Billy Eli column. and uh, much much more much, much more. The uh, says in my notes here that uh, uh, we're asking for votes for the 2020 class of the Southern Rock Hall of Fame. Well, that we were, but that uh, has that come and gone and the uh, winners have been chosen and they will be in the new issue of Kudzu Magazine. Plus, you can find them now. You can see who all was inducted now at the official website at southernrockhalloffame.org that's right be sure to check out the relatively new video channel ambassador of southern rock just plug that into your youtube ambassador of southern rock uh great uh recent interviews including sean murphy who was with little feet roger earl of foghat freddie salem of the outlaws Uh, we had uh Richard Smith attorney, Richard Smith interviewing me about my writing and music, which was kind of turning the tables, kind of cool. And then we have a brand new one that we just posted That's myself and Richard Smith talking about the top. Our individual top five live albums of all time and all of that is on the Southern rock uh, ambassador of Southern rock channel on YouTube, please visit and please hit that subscribe button. If you want to write to us about the magazine, the YouTube, the radio, any of the stuff, or just write us a love letter, everything send your mail to Kudzu mag K U D Z O O M A G. Kudzu mag at yahoo.com. That's right. I said yahoo.com. I was was, uh, channeling the old Mountain Dew commercial from the sixties. And if you remember that you're also old. (laughs) Uh, Remember with uh, the uh, Kudzu Radio Hour, if you have an echo device, uh, if you have an echo device from Amazon You can say her name and I'm not going to say it right now. Starts with an a, if I said it, mine would, uh, sitting here on the desk would start talking to me and throw me completely off, but the echo device and you have, you ask her to play the Kudzu radio hour from Apple podcasts. And then I start right up also available on Spotify. Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, all over the place. We're, we're all over the place, man. All over the place. So, all that being said, we're going to kick the program off today with a song. I always loved this song. Uh, one of the great Texas artists of all time, a songwriter named Guy Clark uh i'll never forget guy clark he was uh gotten to meet him one time great guy uh just an amazing talent and he did an album um that i just dearly loved a few years ago and it had this song on it called arizona star and i just uh that's one of these songs that i never get tired of i like to play it i'll play it over and over again if i get an opportunity so anyway, that's what we got coming up for you right now. And we'll be back with all the boys and the whole Hee-Haw gang right after this song from Guy Clark called Arizona Star. All right, folks, stick around.
1: seventy-five this Arizona star she just fell out of the sky she was shining like a diamond she had tombstones in her eyes she liked drinking she liked smoking she liked dancing in the eyes she was a prima donna prima donna part-time southern belle man she should have been a Actress, so she played the part so well. She might have been a singer, but you really couldn't tell. She was Arizona star and she was born to give them hell. When you're cool, the sun shines all the time. So she always kept her shades on to keep from going blind. She was cool, she was so far she was nothing less or nothing more than the Arizona star And they hung out every night Oh, I'm talking about a circus man I'm talking about three rings And there was four or five clowns And a washing machine Oh, she never met a stranger As far as I could tell She was the Arizona Star And Jim McGuire, he knew her well She made real an oxymoron, she made mirrors, she made smoke She had a curveball that wouldn't quit, and a girlfriend for a joke When you're cool, the sun shines all the time So she always kept her shades on to keep from going blind She was cool, she was out there so far, she was Nothing less or nothing more than Arizona star She was cool, she was out there so far She was nothing less, nothing more than Arizona star
0: One of my very favorite songs there from, uh, Guy Clark, a great Texas singer, songwriter, and the tune is called Arizona star, man. The guy could, uh, really, uh, tell a story and song. I, I really like that a lot. Uh, welcome to the big, uh, program, the big Kudzu radio hour. So happy to welcome back to the program as always, my, uh, Favorite guys in the world, my three partners in crime. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. Beaming in all the way from Massachusetts is Mr. Billy Eli right here. Oh, buff. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. Uh coming all from from Austin, Texas is our other two partners, uh Mr. Patrick Beach and Happy New
2: Mr. Year, boys.
0: Hey buddy, and Jim Hill
2: Hey, y'all.
0: Hey, y'all, that's a very southern thing. Uh, uh, Hey, man, how's everything in the heart of Texas?
3: (laughs) Well, uh, other than the cedar, it's fine.
4: Yeah, well, it is January. It is. Uh, I believe I believe I got a text from you saying something like that yesterday and my response was I'm just really glad Whoville in the middle isn't in the middle of a goddamn cedar break. It's <laughs> particularly
3: cruel because this is the time of year when you we get some beautiful days. It's gonna be about 60- sixty. 60s, low to mid-60s today, beautiful sun, and those are the worst days for the cedar to come in. Right,
0: and it's like being uh, tear-gassed. <laughs> well, well. Eh.
3: Won't, won't be cutting any vocals for a couple of months.
0: Well, Spartanburg, South Carolina, it's cold. It's, it's, it's not that cold, but it's kind of cold. 48, to, 48 degrees right now, and, um, you know, and uh, overnights have been like, down to freezing temperature 33 and um I, I don't know i'm one of these people that'll bitch about the cold and then i'll bitch about the heat so there's something always something to complain about right
2: uh, you don't, well, when you don't need about, to limit yourself
4: yeah when you're talking about weather i mean i think that's why they invented weather the way they did so you could always bitch about it
0: who else remembers that poem from when we were kids i remember this in elementary school that uh, what was it uh, whether the weather's cold or whether the weather's hot? We have to weather the weather, whether we like it or not. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Damn. I learned more in uh, elementary school from the street, uh, I mean, from the playground than I learned in the books, that's for sure. Um, as a matter of fact, that's where I first learned about sex was on the playground. But that's another story. And, that's why
2: um,
4: you can't go to the school anymore, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. And it involved it the teacher, which is really, yeah, it's really dangerous. Okay,
4: man, really, can we skip over that? <laughs> you
0: can skip over it if you want, but I'm going to sit here and dwell on it for just a minute because I, I just remember being reprimanded by the teacher.
1: And uh um,
4: yeah. I, I'll tell you if we're gonna if we're gonna trade stories like no. that No.
1: <laughs> is I, wanted to hear the,
4: I wanted to hear the one and this was great. This is one about Beach and Beach wasn't there when he got told, or probably wouldn't have gotten told. Jim told it to me <laughs> and Neil. Yeah when, I- when Patrick wasn't there.
3: Yeah, I think I,
2: it turns out I might have embellished that a little bit. Mm, I can't wait until we're I can't wait until we're off the air to find out what was this is was, was that an
0: alcohol fueled story? <laughs> <laughs>
3: it actually might have been someone other than Patrick too. I don't remember. For sure. <laughs> it just told better that way. Oh,
0: yeah. Could have he,
4: been he, might, he, might, he might have substituted Patrick because everybody yes. in the room knew Patrick. Exactly. All
0: right, guys. <laughs> it's time for uh, high fidelity. I'm, I'm ready for you. All right. I'm, ready, I'm okay. ready for you guys now. It's just one question, but you got to give me three answers, okay? I want each of you to give me three answers when I call your name.
4: Good. Okay.
0: The greatest ever RB or soul group, not solo artists, but group. Oh, yeah,
3: man. No, no, man. Uh, <laughs> Sly, one, Sly, Sly in the family Stone. <laughs> Two, Parliament Funkadelic.
0: How get though? Uh, I,
3: I'm I'm going more funk than soul, probably. And you know what I'm going to say for number three? I'm going to say Prince and the Revolution.
0: Oh, yeah, there you go. That's oh, good. Yeah, That's good. It's good. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, mine are the uh, Temptations. Temptations, oh. the Four Tops. And the stylistics.
3: Well, I oh, didn't think my. about vocal groups. I thought about bands. Yeah, that's what I was
0: thinking about. Yeah. So,
3: but but those are great picks, Buff.
0: I'm I, sorry. I, I would you've, yeah. you've, you've, you You've gotten to pick vocal. No, I'm just kidding. Stylistics, what a great. Oh, gosh. I still love to listen to this stuff. Uh, Billy Eli, uh, three Ohio
4: players, players man. One of oh, the greatest, yeah. They had five, man. What a killer yeah. horn section! Yeah, uh, and uh, B soul is the thing, right? Yeah, so I got the Ohio players, Chicago, before Peter Sotero was the lead singer, <laughs> 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 uh,
0: right okay, okay.
4: Yeah. and uh yeah and, and i could go way off base and, but this would be starting a philosophical debate that we'll have at a different time so i'll just i'm gonna go with uh, what g- kind of got uh picked as a as a disco band but they really were soul band, and they were a vocal group the ojs remember them
0: oh, oh yeah. god yeah
1: philadelphia sound
4: yeah awesome. yeah <laughs> uh yeah. Se- yeah second tier uh second uh wave philadelphia guys yep
0: Man, I tell you, yeah, I, used to, oh, I used to love to play, uh, in my solo acoustic, I used to play Love Train by the OJs.
4: Yeah, yeah, what a what a great song, man. Slow down on
0: that, and, man. And
4: and, and, and they, they uh, walked that line between, their funk was kind of dialed back, but they walked the line between funk and R&B pretty well.
2: Very well. Yeah, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Beach. Patrick Beach i on Booker T and the MGs. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. Green eyes. <laughs> yeah, and,
4: and actually, uh, they have better stuff than that. That's just their most famous. Yeah, the most famous. One. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
2: And they were the and they were the Stax house band. So you know. Yeah, so everything it, it, played on everything. My my implicit number two is everything that Stax put out in the Golden Era. The second, uh, <laughs> second is Ray Charles. I have just loved his stuff for decades and never had the opportunity. He's a wonderful to see him.
0: group. Ray Charles. Yeah, we weren't allowed to do
4: groups, man. Right? Because I was going to do Eyes and Yeah, till he said yeah, no, no, no solo, solo artists.
2: This uh, right? So uh, I'll, I'll Okay, there's a second for Parliament Funkadelic, and <laughs> think, 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 Ray Charles, so and whoever his solos, band can, was, can, Ray, Ray
3: Charles and the Raylettes. Really there, you
4: yeah. there you go. There you go. Or whatever boots he's been was after he went, after he uh, built off on his own, man. Rubber
0: Bootsy, band.
3: Rootsies rubber band. That's it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yep. Oh, right. that's the good ones, man. That's funky. You guys was are getting one. funky on your soul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the funk too. I, um, uh, I, I can never get enough of parliament funkadelics or
4: nobody uh, picked wild cherry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. That's uh it's so funny. I ended up being friends with the lead guitar player um that played on play that funky music. His name is Brian Bassett and he is now with who? Foghat. That's right. Has been hmm. for years. Yep. But uh he just shakes his head when you ask him about Wild Cherry. You know? so, <laughs> well, we got a go record. Uh okay. Let's go.
4: Man, that was a man. That wasn't a bad song. Just they weren't really a fun band.
0: yeah <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. <clears throat> all. All that being said, let's uh, let's do. Well, uh, let's move right on headlong into uh recommendations. I know I've got one, but I'm not going to go first. Jim, do you have a recommendation?
3: I do. I hold it here in my hot hands. Woo. Let's see. Was under the tree. It is keith richards and the expensive wine live live at the hollywood palladium december Uh, fifteenth, 1988 it is a beautiful reissue remaster two beautifully pressed i might add vinyl records um you know so it's a double live album although the sides are short because it probably could fit on one but it sounds amazing it sounds amazing now Keith sings the songs, except for a couple that Sarah dash sings. I and mean, she is terrific singing. Time is on my side. Um, I mean, you're,
4: you're saying that like Keith's vocals aren't terrific.
3: <laughs> you know, I, and I have often said, you know, uh, traditional, traditionally good vocals. Aren't that important to me. Keith is right on the line, man. So he's sometimes he goes over the line of going a little bit too far, but it's a terrific record. Uh, it sounds great. Um, uh It's a great band. Steve Jordan on drums. I don't like how he tuned his snare, but it was the '80s, so we'll we'll let it <laughs> get away with that. And uh Waddy Wachtel on 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 lead slash rhythm guitar. And fortunately, it's not visual, so we don't have to see him do his pole dance like he does in those. <laughs> oh, God, and, uh, yeah. God,
1: that
4: was disturbing.
3: <laughs> and and you know, it's 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 there's some there's uh, you know there's a couple of cuts that the stones did of course there's a there's a version of time is on my side that sarah dash sings like i said there's a version of happy of course that keith sings from uh, from exile on main street but mostly it's stuff from the talk is cheap record uh keith's solo record which was a great great record and it's just a terrific little package uh and uh you know it's 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 more Rolling Stones than the Rolling Stones were back in that era, probably. So yeah.
0: record, check it out. Did you say it's a double album, Jim?
3: It is a double album. It is. Uh. A, it's, I think you can get it on one CD, but it's, it's uh, it's, it's two vinyl records, but there's only like three songs per side. It's of a course, short yeah. double album, but it's, it sounds great. And my pressing is awesome. It is dead quiet and just on the turntable sounds fantastic
0: well uh, according to uh, my buddy Paul Horsby if uh, if they put less songs on it that means that you got a better quality pressing vinyl yeah, anyway. true. Absolutely. that's true absolutely um, absolutely that's really cool man that's very cool uh, recommendations beach Patrick Beach I'm gonna
2: I uh, Jim caused me to make a last minute substitution but I'm gonna uh, add a post group to mine but uh, speaking of live albums this was an offering for Record Store Day from the Drive-By Truckers. Oh, wow. Yes, it's a record store performance they did at the Plan 9 Records in July of 2006, just a few months before I first saw them at Austin City Limits uh, Music Festival 2006, at which Jason Isbell met his future wife, Amanda Shires. Yay. So, uh, there's still kind of nobodies back then. Iswell's still in the band, still the best iteration of the band to my mind. And they're playing a free record store event, and they played long enough to fill up six sides of vinyl. It's uh, wow. it's, still, it's still floating around on the internet. I got my copy from uh, Newberry Books and Comics in Boston. And uh, it's a really, really terrific set. The one that I had intended to, to recommend, and I still want to because I was really kind of blown away by it. My wife and I last night stumbled across this show that you can stream called Becoming You. And for want of a better term, it's about child development. Now, we're all, we're all parents here. We're all dads. And uh, I've learned a lot, like, when they're very, very young, babies don't have any separate sense of identity outside of their parents. They, they just think they're part of a, of a unit, of a single thing, and they don't really develop their own, own identity for 2,000 days or five years uh, until they learn to do something or get into something that makes them a little bit distinctive, be it ballet or taking pictures or learning to swim or whatever. It's shot all over the world, the U.S., the U.K., Nepal, Borneo. There's these fishing people in Borneo that live in the sea on houses on stilts, and you see this little girl like swim from one house to another for the very first time you see a baby roll over for the first time it's really really cool and it looks like a million bucks becoming you we saw it on apple tv plus but you can find it lots of places
0: um i have to tack a little story in uh patrick i always uh, am um it always uh, makes me happy when you re- recommend anything by the drive bike truckers and, uh, I just want, I love, I love that band a lot. I do too. And I'm, and I'm going to t- tell you my connection quickly. Uh, back in the nineties, uh, uh, my brother-in-law Jay had a band in Greenville, South Carolina, a punk band called the dog killers, the dog killers. And, uh, the drummer was a young man by the name of Brad Morgan. And, uh, <laughs> we, we used to do lots of gigs together and all of a sudden, you know, one day he comes into rehearsal and he says, um, uh, uh, I got an offer to go with, uh, another band called call uh, drive by truckers. And it was like, oh really, man, it sounds good. Yeah. They're down in Athens and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, we thought, you know, well, good for him. It's not that big a deal, but yeah, it was kind of a big deal because, uh, you know, that was this <laughs> ticket. That was his ticket to ride, baby. Oh Brad, man, love Brad, love the uh, Patterson and uh, all the guys. Um, I've always been a great fan of them. I mean they they work, you know. You've heard the old song "She works hard for the money." Well, these guys, they work hard for the money. And every show I've ever seen, it's kind of like reminds me of Springsteen in a way. They just leave it all <laughs> out on the stage.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. No, I, I,
0: give it everything.
2: I got to tell, tell you you know isbel's on twitter all the time and somebody posted yeah. a question was like name the thing this was this was earlier this week i think name the thing you did that terrified you the most and isbel said, <laughs> said i was from east Tennessee." Isabel said i was from east tennessee i'd never been on an airplane i joined a band that played 250 shows a year and i took all my issues with me <laughs> yeah he had a, he had a few uh
0: we used to have these uh, parties down in alabama um Good buddy of mine named Dick Cooper down in Muscle Souls, He would have these parties and he knew everybody cause he used to work. He used to work with the truckers and all this. And this was when they were pretty hot. I have got pictures. I was looking through yesterday of, um, one of the parties, we would all get up there and jam all, you know, all night long and have all, lots of alcohol and stuff. And he'd have all these guys from the Muscle Souls Swampers, Billy C Farlow from, uh, commander Cody. Uh, all these people and Jason would always be there. Jason Iswell, uh, yeah, you know, you look at the pictures of the young Jason there, stoned out of his freaking mind, uh, playing on stage with this fat boy named Michael B. Smith. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> but he was, uh, he was real nice. I just remember at that time it was him and um, Shauna were together, and uh, and uh, we all know that how that ended up, but uh, anyway, uh. She was a great bass player, by the way, and I guess probably still is a great bass player. But the uh, Jason was just amazing. He was, uh, he was too. He's too good for this world. I mean, he's. I mean, his his talent just just freaks me out. I mean, he's so good. Uh, anyway, enough uh, enough rambling about that. We've got to uh, see what Billy's recommendation is before I do mine. Billy, do you have a uh, recommendation? Of- I do,
4: man, because uh, I stumbled. Uh, uh, yeah, today's topic is liner notes, and I didn't do those because I was binge watching this show that I found on Hulu called Letter Kenny. And it started out as a YouTube series, and I, they there's a lot of seasons now. It's seven or eight years old. Uh, and I binge watched everything from their first episodes to the the last thing they've done and there's a new season coming out and it's uh set in this fictional small town in uh in ontario and it's uh i think it's really funny because it's uh it's almost like a canadian it's it's like a live it's like a live action canadian version of like king and the the king of the hill yet all you got this small town you got these these uh real distinct groups. You got the farmers who are the hicks and you have the, you have the uh, dopers and they're called the skids and it, it, you got to watch. You, you, I can't do it justice trying to describe it. You have to watch it. A lot of the humor is really dry. I, I will warn you. Uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff in it. It's got a little more bathroom humor and fart jokes than I usually like, but if you can tolerate those and get down to the good stuff, there's some good stuff in there. A letter That's great.
0: It's great. Cool. Well, uh, my recommendation, uh, the first thing I thought of when I started to recommend this was a guy named, uh, Jim Hemphill. And I'll tell you, you'll, you'll understand it momentarily. My second thought was, wait a minute. This song is a song that my mother liked. Yeah. It's a, this is a three CD box set reissue that I just got by Johnny Thunders. <laughs> Keserah Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. And it has the uh Kesarah Resurrected, in which they took the album and a bunch of bonus tracks, remastered it, and put his guitar up front where it belongs instead of buried in the mix. Uh, the second album is live in Europe and it kicks ass. And the third one is the original album, (laughs) plus bonus cuts. So you got all your case, raw plus a really nice book, all in a tidy little Johnny thunders box for all of you folks keeping score at home. You probably recognize the name from the New York dolls and, um, also, he had the band. What was his band? Heartbreakers.
3: Heartbreakers before Yeah, before not to be Tom confused Pitt,
0: yeah. with Tom Petty. All right. Yeah. The, uh, Yeah. really, man. I've been playing the ever loving crap out of this. As a matter of fact, when we go to break in a few minutes, uh, I'm going to play a tender little love song from this album. This album was recorded originally in 1985, of course. And the, uh, tender little love song that I'm going to play is called, um, a little bit of whore. Yes. I'm trying to get us kicked <laughs> off the platform in every way I possibly can. A little what bit of that, horror, in every girl, a little bit of horror. There's a little bit of horror in every girl I know. And, uh, golly, you just, Johnny, God bless you. You couldn't say something like that now, but you did. And I'm really happy for you. And, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. What a great guy. Great. A great punk, a great guy, a great talent. And, uh, I just, the whole era
4: a and a world-class heroin addict,
0: a yeah, world-class heroin, he could do quite a lot of heroin until
4: right up until he couldn't. Anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. But, uh, yeah. But you know, that's okay. You know, it's a, I'm not judging him because of his drugs. I'm not judging him at all. I'm just saying this guy had, uh, he had some, some mad skills, you know, what are you going to say? So anyway, we're going to play that right now. We're going to play that a uh, little bit of whore from the, uh, album case whatever we will it be, will it be it's Johnny thunders. We'll be right back on the Kudzu radio. Hour. dun, 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 dun. Don't touch that dog.
5: Well, there's a little bit of harm.
0: All right, we're back. And we didn't uh, touch that doll as a matter of fact, and we're back now. That was Johnny thunders and, uh, the tender little love song, a little bit of horror, that's right, baby. I was trying to go for the three songs that play today. The most, uh, songs that were as completely unlike one another as humanly <laughs> possible. So we had Guy Clark and Johnny thunders. And, uh, the last one today will be Jimi Hendrix. So
4: my God, yeah. wouldn't that be a super, group? <laughs> that is it would. A,
0: it's my favorite band, by the way. In my dreams, um, <laughs> I can see them all playing together. All right. We're going to talk about liner notes, folks, uh, on this panel, we have at least three, if not four or six writers. And, um, therefore writers tend to be also readers first and foremost. And I, I can't speak for the other guys, but I know I've always said that I, if I'm not reading, I'm not living. I mean, I can't even go to the freaking bathroom without reading something. And if there's no books in there, I'll read the back of the aerosol can. I'll read you know anything just to be reading, you know, read, read, read. So I, you can imagine growing up, uh, reading the, the liner notes, uh, was discussing this with uh uh Billy Billy Bob Thornton recently again about how much he and I, you know, he was in Arkansas and I was in South Carolina. I didn't know him from Adam's House Cat, but we uh which is a whole nother drive by truckers reference what it hey, that was yep. pretty good. Anyway, anyway, but Billy um Billy was so big on reading liner notes too. Um uh, and it's always been my, one of my favorite things. So we're going to talk about liner notes and each guy has picked, uh, some of his favorite ones from the vast history of music. And I believe somebody said on happy hour last night, they made note of, um, I can't remember what, which one of our wise cohorts that said it, but, um, going back, we can all remember back, even back in the sixties, uh, for the longest time, every album had on the back cover, an essay, uh, also known as liner notes. So, I mean, there was a whole lot even back, uh, back then. And then it became more, even, even more of an art form during the seventies and eighties and all like that. So let me just see. I guess, uh, we'll start with, uh, let's go by, uh, age instead of beauty and go with, uh, Jim Hempel first. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I think, I think you meant both. All right. right. beauty,
0: right? Uh,
3: I, got my, he, I got my little. He got, uh, he's got visuals. I got my. I got my stack here. So the first record I want to do is probably the first liner notes that I ever, that I ever uh, remember reading, and that is Meet the Beatles. Meet
0: Beat the Beatles.
3: Yes. Which was the first American Capitol Records release of the Beatles. It was you know the. Um, kind of a, a mix of their first two British albums um, and resequence and everything to have, I want to hold your hand as the lead off track instead of I saw her standing there, which should be always be the first Beatles song ever. But anyway, it had two sets of liner notes and one was just a, a you know, an American's introduction to Beatlemania, but it also had then underneath the track listing in smaller type, it talked more about the songs on the record. It t- said, who sang what, Uh, it you know said who played what that sort of thing and so i got to know well hey you know and i was just a kid i mean i was eight or whatever this is my sister's record this is an original pressing of 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 the record it's torn all to hell but um you know, there's a difference between John Lennon's voice and Paul McCartney's voice and George Harrison's voice and Ringo Starr's voice. And sometimes they do this thing called double tracking where it sounds like two people are singing, but it's the same person singing twice. And uh, all this uh, kind of was my introduction to getting what I call inside the music and not just listening, but realizing the different component parts that make up music. And I think my fascination with that probably. Stems from listening to this record that's still in pencil in the corner says 498, which was I guess how much how much my sister paid for it back in the early 60s. So that's my first pick is is beat the Beatles.
2: Good
4: choice, man.
3: My next pick is gonna be one that maybe Mr. Beach has as well. Um, but these are, these are some of the greatest liner notes ever and it's the first replacements album. Sorry Ma, forgot to take out the trash. <laughs> and, and the reason that these are great is because it's Paul Westerberg's handwritten comments on each song and they are very brief, but they are fantastic. Uh, for example, um, there's, a, there's a song called More Cigarettes and it says, this could have come close to rockabilly if we had taken the time.
2: <laughs> uh, you know um is mean, isn't a reference to one that was uh, written 15 yeah, minutes yeah, after we it was finished
3: recorded? Fi- finished reading finished writing this a half an hour after we recorded it
4: <laughs> <laughs> um this song yeah, the- this song, is, a lot of people, though, man. this
3: song is proof that Chris Mars is one of the best drummers we could find at the time.
4: <laughs> so,
3: you know, it's, it's wide. And when, you know, when Robert Chris Gow reviewed this record, um, his little capsule record guide review was over half of it was just quotes from the liner notes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's uh, that's uh, that's an that's an endorsement. My next one is also replacements related, and it's the box set Dead Man's Pop that came out, which is a, a reimagining of their uh, next to last record, Don't Tell a Soul, and uh, I, this is this is one of my favorite box sets of all time. Um, for it, musically, it presents the record with radically different mix and different sequencing that I greatly prefer to the original record, which is one of the reasons that I like it so much. Absolutely, And it also includes a full uh, of the full version of uh, Inconcerated, which came, which was a promo only five or six song CD that came out back at the time in the late eighties and now has the full concert, including when the guitars uncontrollably fed back and had to be, tamed but anyway um it's got two two great essays in it one is by bob mayer who wrote the the biography of the replacements trouble boys and it delves more deeply into the recording of that record how trouble how much how troubled it was going with different producers and in different studios and it's not by any means my favorite replacements record but i think the story behind how it eventually got made is extremely interesting and it's it's a more detailed version than what's in the the actual biography and then there is a a essay by or a, a some notes by matt wallace who uh <coughs> who got to do his original mix uh for the record 30 years after the record came out and he talks about what he did differently and why it sounds different and why in to my ears it sounds better than what uh i think it was chris lord alge did the yeah
2: I can't remember if it was Chris or yeah. his
3: brother Tom
2: Chris Lord okay Chris
3: Lord. yeah and uh anyway it, it, it sounds different and better and more open and you know it's it's just a it's a great record and he explains all that so so that's uh, that's my next pick um my fourth pick is the briefest of, of them all. And I'm, I can read it in full. And it's the third Joe Jackson band album called Beat Crazy. Now, Joe Jackson put out his first two records, Look Sharp and I'm the Man, were terrific, terrific, you know, late 70s, Elvis Costello-ish, Graham Parsons-ish, just uh, loud, fast pop with with a little bit of a punk edge stuff. And I was very excited for, for Beat Crazy to come out. Beat Crazy came out and it sounded different and it sounded confused and unhappy uh and it was frustrating because he had such a great band Graham, maybe the bass players was just off the charts great
2: it was definitely the bass the best bass player they could find at the time he, he, was, he was the best <laughs> right, bass yeah. player a lot of people could <laughs> well, find <laughs>
3: one of the best
4: bass players.
2: Uh,
3: <laughs> you know you know that, that's funny because uh you know uh, uh, uh elvis costello's uh Bass player What's his name Thomas was 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 in the in the uh, in the uh, uh attractions was terrific as well. But anyway, the, the entire liner notes, other than the you know, the credits and the lyrics consists of the following. This album represents a desperate attempt to make some sense of rock and roll. Deep in our hearts, we knew it was doomed to failure. The question remains, why did we try? And that on its face is is it, shed some light on the contents of this record but it also shed some light on what joe jackson did after that because his next record was a big band record called joe jackson's jump and jive Mm -hmm. and then his record after that was night night and day which had his big hit stepping out which was kind of a i don't know what you call it it wasn't exactly rock and roll it was kind of it wasn't jazz it was kind of i don't know cocktail party music or something but it was some terrific writing and it you know joe jackson started out as this rock and roll guy and rock and roll for whatever reason got too confining for him and he wanted to do other stuff and he tried and so this is the both the liner notes in the record are the sound of him trying to reconcile him being a rock and roll guy and him deciding that he's not and and i like it because not like i said not only does it shed light on this record but it sheds light on what he did after that as well so uh so i like that uh My last one I've got, I'll try to make the story brief, but we, back when we were recording the Billy Eli band record amped out, we were doing it in my old studio and it was hot and we were under a time crunch and we didn't have a bathroom and and we were doing it on a, uh, we were doing it on a standalone Tascam digital recorder. And so I was doing guitar parts and mixing it and engineering it. And uh, at the end of the night, the only way to back up the session because we had to keep a backup was it had a a cd-rom burner in it and you had to burn the entire session to cd-rom and by the time we were almost done we had about six cd-roms worth of material on there so and they burned really freaking slow like it would take 15 or 20 minutes to burn one yeah now i don't drink when i mix or 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 produce but i but i always have to have a few drinks when i'm done and so that gave me an opportunity to to uh, back up everything, pour some whiskey, pour some whiskey, not beer, because we didn't have a bathroom. So I drank whiskey. And what I would do is listen to jazz records while that was going on to kind of come down. And, and I try to stay in my lane when I talk about jazz, because I'm not anything close to an expert in jazz. But I, I, I enjoy listening to, to, to a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I can kind of understand it more than i can appreciate it but anyway one of the jazz records i would always reach for was miles davis kind of blue and it has fantastic liner notes by the great bill evans the great pianist bill evans called improvisation in jazz where he talks about the theories of about it's it's brief it's short it's only a few paragraphs but talks about uh, uh jazz improvisation and then has a short little explanation of the five tracks on the record and 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 what they are musically and and, and that sort of thing and and it's uh, you know those blue, old blue note records always had great liner notes but the, but the ones for kind of blue I always I was hung on that to to try to you know get get some learning about jazz from one of the from one of the greats so that's my number 5 so there I go
2: like it that's a that's a strong list man. yeah it really is and, um, thank
0: you we, we would expect no less from jim um the <laughs> Uh, speaking of, uh, next in line, let's see, Billy, do you have anything at all? You want to add to this?
3: He's not there.
0: Oh, he's not there. I'm sorry. I had to had him covered up on my screen. So I guess he doesn't have anything to add, uh, at Patrick. least not
3: at this time,
0: not at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, how about you, bud?
2: I'm not there either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not right. there. I'm not there either.
2: I'll go. I'm going to lead off with the one and only, uh, uh, the the great Robert Gordon, who wrote the Liners for Big Stars. Keep your eye on or keep an eye on this guy. Great, great set. Great, great insights into the band. A very, very sad story. But uh, man, what glorious music they made in the face of a great deal of chaos. And, And Jimmy, you got me kind of kicking myself for not thinking of sorry mom, myself, because it's hysterical, it is. you know, it's it's uh, it's just so self-effacing and so terribly Westerberg, you know, I mean, they were what they were and they made no apologies. And if you didn't like it, you could go see the suburbs. <laughs> and you could, uh, you know, another great band, but c- completely different.
3: You know, you right. could, the thing is, you could read those liner notes and pretty much tell what the record's going to sound like.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Exactly, but I do have a replacement's pick, and it's along the lines of yours, and that's uh, again Bob Mayer's liners to uh, to the uh, Please to Meet Me box. This was the best sounding record that they made with Jim Dickinson uh, down in Memphis, and uh, Mayer has, of course, you know, made himself into sort of the uh, replacement scholar with Trouble Boys, with which Gibson. Or uh, with which Jim mentioned, and uh, the liners to the Please to Meet Me set, and the Don't Tell a Soul set, which I think has been nominated for a Grammy, hasn't it, Jim? I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, he's basically drawing on his research for the book to shed some insights, much as he did with the Please to Meet Me box on, or with the Don't Tell a Soul box on those sessions. Uh, finally, get getting to the bottom of the story of how did Tommy's Vomit, get on the studio ceiling. <laughs> Things like that. I, I really like Mayer's writing. He's not flashy, but he's a very, very dogged and committed researcher. I've mentioned uh, this third set before, but uh, Harry Smith's Anthology of uh, American Folk Music is one of my favorites on Smithsonian. And the book that comes with that is, geez, it's got to be 50 pages or just a little less. And the liners are written by a lot of people, but my favorite essay by far is one called The Old Weird America by Grill Marcus. Marcus was uh you know, a true intellectual and among the first to bring real academic rigor to writing seriously about popular music. Even though in a lot of those songs on the Harry Smith anthology weren't popular at all. It's, uh, Marcus also wrote a famous book that I sure wish I still had, but I left it on an airplane somewhere, called Lipstick Traces, which which, uh, runs the history of punk rock back to the anarchist and Dadaist and surrealist movements between the world wars. I remember... I remember reading it one summer I was in college, and I left it on a plane, and I never finished it. But I was thinking, even before I left it on the plane, I'm not smart enough <laughs> to get this book, so I'll have to give it another go. But anyway, Grill Marcus's essay, "The Old Weird America," really sheds light on on every one of these. I think it's about 120 tracks on the on the set. And also, speaking of Miles Davis, uh, the liners the liners on the back of the original uh, uh, Columbia. Issue are are pretty great. Jeez, Columbia treated treated that record horribly. They sped it up in some versions. There's a you know it was recorded in 1958 or thereabouts, and uh, in one version, the first version I had, there's a picture of him from the 70s. You know, it's like no, 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 that's not him. But as far as notes, you cannot beat Francis Smith's. Uh, I'm sorry, Francis Davis's liners to the 50th anniversary reissue of Kind of Blue really gets granular about those sessions and how quickly they went and dispels to a certain degree the myth that Davis was writing some of those charts in a taxi cab on the way to the studio, yada, yada, yada. And finally, I got to give a shout out to my friend and old, old colleague, uh, Michael Corcoran, who, after he left the Austin American Statesman, became obsessed for years with this all but lost to history, obscure gospel musician from the early 20th century, named Washington Phillips, and Washington Phillips had this amazing, haunting voice, but nobody could figure out what the hell that was he was playing. So uh, Corcoran spent years running it down, and it, it's it's kind of like a keyboardy thing, and not. I'm just not even going to attempt to describe what instrument Washington played but um dust to digital issued reissued i should say everything that wash phillips did and uh called it uh washington phillips and his manzarin dreams and corcoran wrote the liners to that and he also was nominated for a grammy so so of course he went to the grammys And he wrote about it a little bit afterwards. This was just two years ago. No, It's 2021. Officially it's three years ago because it was in 2018. But he said, uh, all right, so I didn't win, but because I'm quirky, I did manage to find the free buffet backstage. (laughs) So that's my last one. Michael Corker and Washington Phillips and his Mandarin dreams. That's my five. I'm out.
0: Oh yeah, baby.
2: Nicely done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, all right. Well, I guess I'll, uh, I'll do mine and uh, uh, Mr. Eli is uh, must be on his Griffey call. Uh, the, the weekly call that he has with his son. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to do my five here. Let's see. Let me make sure I actually have, uh, make sure I have five. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I am. All right. Mm. I don't know if I I may have six, if I do sue me, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to go back to one of the first times that I was impressed by liner notes. Um, and it was uh, the 1971 debut (laughs) album by Edgar Winters, white trash, a self-titled album. And, um. I just remember flipping the album over and seeing that the liner notes was actually a poem written by Bat- Patty Smith, and uh, I was blown away by this woman's uh, ability to turn a phrase, so to speak. I just remember there were a line in there. There was a line in there, uh, or some lines in there, that said, "Arms of an angel, face of a saint." mouth of a band that the coyote was spread teeth. And she went on to describe, um, uh, Edgar Winters white trash band and, uh, and some really, uh, colorful metaphors. And, uh, the music went right along with it. I mean, I had never heard, uh, a bunch of white boys with more soul in my entire life. Just a wonderful band. And, uh, like I was, saying I recorded an episode of the uh, ambassador of Southern rock YouTube channel last night, where we were talking about the top five live albums of all time. And I had, um, uh, Edgar Winter's white trash on there with road work. And I was talking about, I was reminiscing about the fact that his partner in crime on that was Jerry LaCroix who passed away several years ago, but I met Jerry, uh, in 1999. And subsequently was invited to be my wife and I to be his special guests at a reunion of Edgar Winters, white trash out in Port Arthur, Texas for the turn of the century. And it was wonderful. Um, man, what a great experience, a great guy. I spent the whole day with Jerry, did an interview, sat around and drank more beer than a person should be allowed. Drink, but it was fun. And Edgar Warner's White Trash, Patty Smith, great, great liner notes. My number five is going to be, um, I mean, number five. Well, I don't know, whatever the number is. I don't know what numbers my numbers For are. For those of you keeping score, um, <laughs> nobody's keeping score. It's Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Now, Bob writes his own liner notes most of the time. And uh, why not? Because it does a great job. In fact, I think he won a Grammy for best liner notes for his album "Blood on the Tracks." All of his uh, '60s liner notes are great um, and very similar to his work lyrically as well. Just really good reading, and the liner notes for "Blood on the Tracks." I just remember that it really kind of blew me away. Um, number four on a completely different as Monty Python would say now for something completely different. Number four is the kiss solo albums <laughs> from 1978. It's not like the, it's not like the liner notes were that extensive, but the whole thing of, um, putting out four solo albums at the same time in 1978 with the, uh, gorgeous, uh, cover photos that uh Eraldo uh Caruga I can't pronounce this last time Carugati or something like that some Rivera
2: fan. that too Rivera
0: <laughs> C A R U G A T I that uh I can remember staring at the back cover for hours on end the unique Colors of each one to match the personality of the guy in the band and the guest musicians, and the list of writers blew me away, especially Gene Simmons, because there was a who's who of people <laughs> in the world that were on the album, you know, including Cher and everybody in the world. And then a, a special thanks list that's longer than you know, a Hollywood, uh, movie, uh, thank you list at the end of a movie. Uh, and I can illustrate the power of the kiss album liner notes. Uh, it said on the uh, kiss album kiss uses Gibson guitars because they want the best. Well, at that point, my, uh, mind being a young teenager, I was, uh, swayed toward Gibson. As far as becoming a fan of Gibson guitars, because KISS played Gibson guitars, I didn't know, I didn't know the difference between a and, Gibson and a Fender. I didn't know and, at all.
4: And Pearl and Pearl drums, right? When and they, Pearl drums, they, they, That was, a, that that was, was to, also uh, part of the, the, the KISS liner notes. They, they <laughs>
3: added they added Pearl a couple records after Gibson.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah,
3: I guess Pearl decided to start paying them too.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, the. Uh, yeah, I, I had never, uh, I didn't know anything about guitar at the time. I would, it would be years later before I started actually trying to get serious about playing, but, um, yeah, well, oh yeah, I they played if it. It. I if he's playing a Gibson then by golly, I wanted to play a Gibson. Uh, my next one was, uh, a little band called the traveling Wilburys, uh, volume one, uh, the liner notes. They got so creative with the whole thing of, uh, making up this mythology about the, uh, you know, George Harrison and Tom Petty and everybody Their alter egos, uh, the liner notes, uh, one of the things that I wrote down here that they had on there was, uh, uh, uh let's see the, the original Wilburys were a stationary people. Realizing that their civilization could not stand still forever, began to go for short walks, not to traveling as we know it, but certainly as far as the corner and back. (laughs) The liner notes were written by, you know, Michael Palin, of course, Michael Palin, you got to love him. And uh, This
2: reminds me, Jim, we missed an opportunity to talk about the almost 100% fictional uh, notes on the first Cheap Trick album. Oh, yeah, That's yeah,
0: right. yeah, that was the good stuff too. Uh, um,
3: Venezuela, Carlos
0: from, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> from Venezuela,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. his father worked on the Panama canal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. My, uh, uh, uh I'm going to speed it up a little bit here. The, um, uh, one that I really loved was, uh, Elliot Murphy's notes on the original <laughs> double album of the velvet underground 1969 uh very big impression on me as a teenager um probably because of discussed what it's like to be a teenager getting deeply into pop and rock music sort of uh justified my obsession with the band as well as the whole pop scene at the time and uh i just became an underground fanatic for quite a while well i say quite a while i still kind of am um, and, uh, i I've got one more and then I've got an honorable mention. So, uh, my, my, uh, my first one is going to have to go with, uh, one of my favorite writers, uh, Cameron Crowe, who wrote the liner notes for Leonard Skinner's one more from the road love. And, uh, he had, uh, quoted Ronnie in there, Ronnie Van Zant, saying, I sure am glad I don't wear shoes. When I'm out there singing, whispered Ronnie Van Zant. I love to feel the stage burn. Yeah, I know what you mean, buddy. They must have had uh, quite a tolerance for heat in those days. Um, I imagine their souls were on fire quite often, as much heat as uh, Skinner brought to the stage during that uh, period of time. I mean, yeah, if I go the rest of my life and never hear Free Bird Live again, it would be okay. But I got to say that when it first came out, you talking about when it first came out and the first time I heard the live Skinner album, a T for Texas and all that stuff blew me away. And then I already liked Cameron Crowe. So when he wrote the liner notes, I'm like, okay, I'm sold. And the other one I just want to do is an honorable mention. Um, I love to say, uh an album uh, mentioned an album when I've got a good friend who actually played on the album and I've got a good friend named Denny Wally, who was a guitarist with Frank Zappa and he played on this album, Joe's garage and uh, Zappa wrote some hilarious liner notes that include the words. Desperate nerds and high offices all over the world have been known to enact the most disgusting piece of legislation in order to win votes or in places where they don't get to vote to control unwanted forms of mass behavior. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> Frank was uh, a way with words, uh, Zappa. Yeah, baby. And that concludes my never-ending list of wonderful liner notes. And that being said, Billy Eli, did you have? I did anything? not.
4: I told y'all earlier in the show I didn't make a <laughs>
0: well, I, I thought you were going to mention the the liner notes for your own album. I I thought you had a really good liner notes on that album. Uh,
4: the, the, the ones you wrote. Those liner yeah, the ones you wrote. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah, that was.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, oh, excuse me, I'm hurting I, my yeah, arm here trying I, to pat my own back.
4: Well, here's the problem with that, man. It, it's not that you didn't write great liner notes. It's not that I don't didn't think that the liner notes were great. But it's kind of this. I don't remember which album you wrote the liner. Notes. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it was the Inexcusable
3: <laughs> yeah. Billy Eli.
0: Inexcusable, <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a great one, man. And you talked about I don't know, like all the acoustic, probably stuff that we
0: did on there i just remember putting in there something about tequila and swallowing the worm but the, yeah uh,
4: well you know that really that really happened
0: yeah. <laughs> that was, of course it did yeah, that's a true story the uh that's funny on the name of that album though the, uh, okay the real album is called what, unexplainable
3: Oh, that's one.
2: it. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I
0: always call. I always got it wrong, and I would tell people it's called unpredictable, Billy
2: Eli. Yeah,
4: in, in,
2: in, <laughs> incorrigible, incorrigible. That's another
0: good
4: one.
2: Irredeemable. Uh, <laughs>
4: Irredeemable is another
2: good. one Unforgivable. Uh,
4: well, now depends on which judge you're talking to. But, yeah. <laughs>
0: judge Judy. Anyways. Oh, Judge Judy.
4: Um, I haven't had to appear before her yet.
0: All right, folks, (laughs) this is going to wrap up the program for today. And don't you think it's about time by God, uh, (laughs) the, uh, I want to say, uh, you guys, I've got a, um, mission for you for next time. If you decide to accept it, just remember as always that once I give you these instructions. Your computer will self-destruct. So just
4: my mind can self-destruct. I probably wouldn't notice.
0: (laughs) It's already destructed enough. Right, pretty much. There was a song by uh, Alice Cooper back in the '70s on uh, on an album called Muscle of Love. It was called Big Apple Dreaming. I got to thinking about that, and I was like, "Okay, guys, our categories go big. Big Apple Dreaming. What it's going to be is best bands or artists." That came out of you guessed it, New York City. Uh huh. I uh-huh. wonder who <laughs> pick. Oh, let man. me think. Let me think on that a minute. Uh, okay, I'm yeah. done. Yep, yep. All right. He's got his. <laughs> yep, he's got yeah, his got, list. My, yep. he's got his list right now. Don't even have to write it down. Uh, but it can be anything, and, and it can be anything. if you can find a country artist from New York, that's fine. Punk country. Uh. I'm sure
4: uh, I'm sure you can. I don't have one right off the top of my head. Yeah, me neither.
0: Me neither. Me neither. Uh, And we are we are talking about New York City, New York City, and all the suburbs. um, uh, You know, does uh, it include
3: the tri-state area, or is it just
0: just New York City and the uh, the boroughs? Five boroughs. Yeah. Okay. No Long Island.
2: Includes Long Island too. Yeah. Does
3: include Long Island yeah oh, so the, boys yeah. in the mix then
2: so so we're all gonna have we're all gonna have billy joel i mean that's obvious billy
0: joel will be the- <laughs> I,
4: i've only got man i only had billy joel i had him five times <laughs> <laughs> there you,
0: you know
4: what would be you know what would have been great you could have heard billy joel man played with guy clark and johnny thunders <laughs> yeah, that would have been beautiful.
0: I'll probably put uh, Billy Joel number one and, uh, and his daughter Alexa Ray, who's kind of pretty, pretty. Number girl.
4: two through two
0: through <laughs> two through five will be Alexa Ray Joel, and um, and then somewhere in there will be Garth Brooks. Oh wait, no, he's from Oklahoma. Never mind. Well, here's
4: what I think you could do, and you, this won't mean anything to you, Buff, but uh, but Jim and Patrick, y'all remember when uh. Uh, KGSR had, uh, Kevin and Kevin in the morning and I don't Mm -hmm. remember Kevin Mm -hmm. Finney and I don't remember the other Kevin, but, uh, Kevin O'Connor,
2: Kevin Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. And man, Finney did the longest stretches of logic to make any artist a Lone Star and so, and it, I mean, and so I used to make this joke. I'm listening to the the new album by Lone Star, Paul McCartney. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he would make these he would make these giant stretches of logic to to place artists, you know, to give them some kind of con, uh, Texas connection. So I'm gonna do that with the big with the, our Big Apple thing, and I'm gonna go with my number one choice is Big Apple Hank Williams. He almost certainly <laughs> was near New York City at least sometime. He, he had heard of New York City. He had heard of their people yeah. in New York City. There were some people there that probably owned his records. There were some probably people in New York City that had moved up from Alabama. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
4: Yeah, that's that, Ke- that's that Kevin Feeney line. <laughs> yeah. no,
2: those, those guys on that show, if you, if you ever flew over Texas – you were, yeah. you know,
4: yeah, I mean. it, it really, it really was almost like that, man. I mean, the the the, the it was, they just had to they had to give Lone Star status to everybody, Lone Star Ray Charles, man, because he because <laughs> you know, he had recorded with Willie Nelson, who was born in Texas,
0: yeah, yeah. I did go to a few gigs when I was up there at the uh, uh, you remember, uh the Lone Star Cafe, they had it downtown and, uh, they had a lot of country ish, uh, country ish people. I remember, um, I was a 79, uh, living in Jersey and, and going to the city a lot. And, uh, I went to the Lone Star Cafe a few times. And so actually, um, I had a concert there with, um, uh, Dicky Betts had a big show there one night. Lone and, Star uh,
4: Betts.
0: Lone Star Dickie <laughs> Betts. But he had uh it was so good the show because he had uh, Jack Bruce jamming, Jack Bruce's bass
4: Jack Bruce.
0: and Lone Star Rick Garrett <laughs> guitar and lone star Mick Taylor. Uh it was just like all those right. guys were all picking together. It was kind of cool. Yeah,
4: yeah. Five four or five lone stars right there. Lots of long
0: <laughs> lots of lone stars. Hey, that's yeah, there's a joke there, but I'll just jump right over it. Uh so that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it. What we're gonna go out on, what we're gonna go out on, uh uh back in the college days. Oh, I miss my college friends, my college days, had a redheaded guitar playing fool of a friend named Alan Heverin. Just amazing guitar player. Amazing. Uh, after he consumed mass quantities of beer, he would pull out the 12 string acoustic and play songs to our enjoyment and, uh, and unbridled entertainment. And one that he played was a song that I was not familiar with that much at the time, it was a Jimi Hendrix song called my friend. And, uh, I just absolutely loved the words to it and uh eventually some you know 30 or 40 or whatever years later i actually am happy that i have a copy of the song it's not the same as i've got of course i recorded alan on cassette that night somewhere in the vast recesses of my junk piles cassette, I have, them. Uh, <laughs> cassette them i have a cassette of uh of Alan doing my friend, uh, haven't I seen you somewhere in hell? Or was it just an accident? What beautiful love song lyrics from Jimi Hendrix. So we're going to go out on that. And that being said, we haven't said, uh, we haven't addressed the, uh, elephant in the room, which is the fact that it's a new year.
4: Said anything because I'm afraid to jeez
0: Yeah, exactly. I am. <laughs> and I'm not one of these people that go, Hope is yours gonna be good. Couldn't be any worse. Well, yeah. I'm it can always be, it, be worse. it can always be worse. So I got, a, I got not...
4: a great uh text yesterday from Ed Tree, and it was his picture of uh you know like the signs that you see your name on outside of beer joints and that's it's like the got the little pointy arrow and you put the little stick on letters in them and uh, oh yeah lord and it said okay everybody this year just eat the fucking black eyed peas
0: exactly <laughs> we did. yeah we did, we did too thing. i did too yeah yep peas and greens maybe uh the uh You know, I'm going to say this and then I may shut up, but when you're talking about sticking those letters on outside of bars, I know we're not the first ones that ever did it, but we, uh, pulled a trick that nearly got us killed one night in the eighties by putting a sign out that said free beer with the arrow pointing inside. And then when everybody got piled in there, we said, Hey, that's the name of our band free beer. That's right. Folks we're playing.
4: Yeah, so, uh, I get a living chip
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. they didn't think that was funny. So well, then, we funny. To, <laughs> then we changed it to uh, Oates. Uh, Holland Oats. H A U L I N, Holland O A T S. Holland Oats. Right. Oates. right. <laughs> Oh yeah. So that's the country version of Holland. Yeah. Earth. You know,
4: man, and you're right. And, and those jokes just wrapped themselves. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do.
0: Well, you know, you, there's a lot easier back you, then. You because
4: can't coach that kind of, you can't coach that kind of humor.
0: Everybody, uh, back in, back in the eighties, people were easily, uh, more easily amused. Now you have to work really hard, you know, for somebody to not call you out and say, man, that's a stupid joke. You know, Back then it's like, you know, oh, well, man, that, that's funny. I like
4: Facebook it. Facebook memes have ruined a lot of that. It used to be, man, if you could just remember a bunch of dumb stuff like that, man, you could sound witty, but now, you know, the dumb no. stuff that you remember by the time you get around to saying it, everybody's already seen it six or 700 times.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, there's not much you can't, that you could post now that, you know, would um, actually surprise anybody.
4: No, Pretty not much.
0: much. But I, I will think surprise everybody by saying. I think, we, I say think it.
4: we should sue uh, Zuckerman or whatever the guy's name is. At
0: Zuckerman. All yeah, yeah. I think Sorry. so too. All right. Everybody uh, say goodbye and Happy New Year. Goodbye and, happy, goodbye New and, New New
3: and Year. happy
0: New Year. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And we'll see you all, all you cats in the sandpile, uh, going out with some Jimi Hendrix. Here we go.
5: Y'all pass me that bottle And I'll sing y'all a real song yeah. Let me get my <clears throat> Well I'm looking through Harlem My stomach squeal just a little more a stagecoach full of feathers and footprints pulls up to my soapbox door. Now, a lady with a pro handle necktie tied to the driver's fence breathes in my face, bourbon and coke possess words. Haven't I seen you somewhere in hell? Or was it just an accident? could ask was it the east or west side my feet they howled in pain the wheels of a bandwagon cut very deep but not as deep in my mind as the rain. and as they pulled away i could see her words stagger and fall on my muddy tent well i picked them up brushed them off to see what they said I bring along a bottle and a present And uh, sometimes it's not so easy Especially when your only friend Talks, sees, looks and feels like you And you do just the same as him It gets very lonely out this road. Ago, built for fools, and I seen one of my old buddies. And he said, "You don't look the way you used to do." I say, "Well, some people look like a coin box." He said, it like you ain't got no coins to spare." And I lay back and I thought to myself, and I said this: I just picked up my pride from underneath the payphone. I comb his breath right out of my head. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's not so easy. Especially when your only friend talks, sees, looks, and feels like you. And you do just the same as him. I just got out of a Scandinavian trail And I'm on my way straight home to you But I feel so dizzy I take a quick look in the mirror To make sure my friend's here with me too And you know good well I don't drink coffee So you feel my cup full of sand And the frozen tea leaves on the bottom Sharing lipstick around the broken edge and my coat that you let your dog lay by the fire on. And your cat here attacks me from his pillow And I thought you were my friend too. Man, my shadow comes online before you. I'm finding out that it's uh, not so easy. Especially when your only friend talks, looks, sees, and feels like you And you do the same just like him that bottle, Wow!
0: How much do we love Jimi Hendrix? Even after all these years, there. Wow. Hendrix just was just one of a kind. Great lyric writer, great music writer, phenomenal guitar player. I remember reading articles about him in Guitar Player magazine in the early 70s. Um and they were talking about the fact that his hands were so big that he could reach around and use his thumb the chord on the low E string. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, huge hands and what a, what an incredible talent. And I just love, 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 love that song. My friend from the great Jimi Hendrix. It's going to wrap up a, uh, another episode of the Kudzu radio hour. First of all, thank you for listening to the program. Secondly, uh, thank you for supporting the program as well as my other endeavors, like the magazine Kudzu magazine and the uh, YouTube channel ambassador of Southern rock, etc. Thank you for those of you who support my, uh, efforts as an author, uh, book author. And also, those who support my music. Uh, you know, you've heard the term jack of all trades, master of nine. Well, that should have my picture beside that phrase in <laughs> the dictionary. I'm by no means a master of any of them, but I sure have been blessed to have a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun. I remember my teacher, my art teacher back in probably ninth or 10th grade. Rebecca Deweese. Uh, one year she married a Smith, no relation. She was a wonderful, wonderful art teacher. And she wrote in my yearbook that I wish you tons of great music. Bless her heart. She had no way of knowing just how much great music would be coming my way as far as um, writing about music, playing music, writing music, 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 and uh, just happy memories. You know, what can I say? The Kudzu Radio Hour as always was brought to you by our buddies, our friends, our dear friends, Gus and Susan. And everybody there at Springer Mountain Farms in Georgia. Springer Mountain Farms, baby. Fresh chicken, responsibly raised on family farms. Family farms. That's two words you need to look for. Yes, family farms, or they care about you. No antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. So the chickens are raised properly and a properly raised chicken will make for really, 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 really really good protein. That's right. I'm sorry. I apologize to any vegetarians who are listening, but I love my vegetables, but I also love Chicken, I love 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 chicken. It used to be fried chicken, but not anymore. In my older age, it's got to be grilled, uh, or broiled, or you know, usually grilled. Nine times, nine point nine times out of ten, I will grill my Springer Mountain Farms boneless skinless chicken breasts. Look for that beautiful blue label. Uh, Springer Mountain Farms in your grocery store or you can order it online and have chicken brought to your doorstep in a cooler. That's right. Springermountain.com, springermtn.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Farms chicken healthier for you, but it also tastes superior. I I challenge you to try compare it to other chicken. Tell me, tell me honestly that it doesn't taste a whole lot better. Springer mountain farms. The program is also brought to you every week by a fantastic rock and roll band, baby, the box masters out of Los Angeles, California. Yeah, yeah, I may be the ambassador of Southern Rock, but I'm going to tell you what. Good music knows no geographical boundaries. And if you want to play the Southern card, well, look at the drummer, okay? The drummer, uh, Bud Thornton, also known as Billy Bob Thornton, was raised in the Arkansas, which is a uh, really not that far removed from Spartanburg, South Carolina, as far as uh, as far as everything goes. Uh, Billy Bob is the drummer and singer, and uh, co writes all the songs with uh, extremely talented J.D. Andrew. Uh, man, they they put out some great stuff, and their latest album is called Light Rays. And it is the best Boxmasters album yet. Check it out. Visit theboxmasters.com to order LP on vinyl. Yeah, you can get it on vinyl, CD, or uh, digital. And also, you can order all sorts of uh, swag from the guys as well. Uh, theboxmasters.com and follow them on social media. Be sure you follow the Boxmasters official on Instagram. It's updated every day by JD. Just all sorts of historic pictures of the band over the past 12, 13 years. Kudzu Radio Hour is also brought to you by our buddies at Foghat Sellers, Roger Earl and his beautiful wife, beautiful and talented <laughs> multitasking wife, Linda, who also kind of acts at well, one kind of, she does act as his manager. Roger's a founding member, you know, that played in slow ride on slow ride full for the city, all those great songs. Fog hat, what a, the greatest boogie blues band ever, right? Well, they also make some of the finest wine you're ever going to drink. That's right. Baby fog hat Cellars. Get your Pinot, get your Chardonnay, get it all, all the good stuff. And you can get, uh, you can order the wine online and have it drip, uh, excuse me, let me try that again, (laughs) have it delivered to your doorstep. In fact, if you're lucky, you'll get your springer mountain farms, chicken and your fog Hat wine and your box master's album all on the porch the same day. Now, wouldn't that be like a late Christmas gift, right? Wow. Fog hat wine. If you like red or if you like white, you're going to love it. Red or white, you will not be blue. (laughs) You will not be, how can you be blue when you're drinking some fog hat wine. I say order one of each, and if that's not good enough, order a case of each. You can uh, order the wine and find out more at foghatsellers.com. That's fogat, C E L L A R S, as in wine cellars, foghatsellers.com. Or you can find them on the band website at foghat.com. So that's going to wrap it up now next year, uh, next year, next year. Well, it's already next year, Michael, what are you talking about? It's already next year. Yes. It's 21, 21 and as strong as I can be, Hey man, I'm feeling good about this year. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to jinx it. But I am feeling really good about it with the vaccinations and all that coming. uh, I think that, uh, I believe we're all going to be getting back out and doing some live music again by the spring and summer. Let's, uh, let's just, we got to hope for that, but I miss it. It's been a rough year for everybody. And, um, and musicians as well, you know, not getting to play. You know, that's our life's blood as musicians is to get out and play for our friends, you know, so hopefully all that's going to happen. Um, be sure to join us next week when we're going to get into a New York groove. And we're going to talk about great bands and artists who come out of the big apple, New York city. Thanks again to all my uh, partners in crime uh Billy Eli, Patrick Beach, and Jim Hempill. And thanks to you guys for tuning in. And we will definitely see you again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Bye-bye. <laughs>